reading today is Romans chapter 7, 1 through 6. Or do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free From the law. And if she marries another, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, brothers and sisters, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear the fruit of death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. Let's pray. Lord, if you do not turn on the light of your truth in our hearts and our minds, we'll be in darkness. And we do pray this time where we focus on your word in the unfolding exposition of Romans, that you will turn on the light to our mind, to our heart, and to the way we live out our faith in your Son and in you and in the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be in your pulpit, and I got to meet Brother Dan Morrison. I'd been meeting him off and on for the last three years. My uh, my son, my fourthborn, has been uh, just finished his third year at Valley Christian School. So I'd been around and seen him. And but we had lunch a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I guess he was trying to vet me out to see if it's safe to put me in the pulpit. We'll see. I mean, he just had to do his best. And uh, so as we were at a diner, we got to share and talk, and uh, it was great to meet him. Um, it's uh, Valley Christian School has been such a blessing to my son, and so I'm grateful for the way that your church uh, supports that ministry. Uh, this is our fourth year our, as a family in Philadelphia. You might be able to tell that I'm not from around here. Uh, if you need subtitles, um, I don't know what to do, uh, but you can maybe ask me after, afterwards, you know, if you're only getting every third or fourth word. I speak Tennessean, uh, so I'll do my best to translate as, as we go. Uh, so for the last couple of months, I've, I've, I've started a, a new business. Uh, I'm no longer with Harvest USA. I'm, I'm a handyman right now, and that's afforded me time to catch up on the Roman series. So I can, at times in my work, I can stick earbuds in my ear and connect it to this little uh, rectangle here. And uh, I hope that you are very grateful for your pastor, Dan Morrison. You have a man of God who loves the Word of God enough to labor in it, to bring you its message every week, verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph. I hope you see the value of that and appreciate that and appreciate him. Because it's not everywhere. It's not just in every church down the road. So please be 
grateful for God's mercy and grace in your life because of that. And, and, and Brother Dan did not pay me to say that. That's, 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 that's really my, my heart. So I'm not just, uh, just kissing up. All right. So you've been in Romans for a while. You've been in Romans 6 most recently and you've, you've just exited Romans 6. So Romans 6 helped you understand the Christian's relationship to sin. You have a new relationship to sin. If you're in Christ, the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. So there's, you have a new relationship. And he challenged you in Romans 6 to see that Scripture calls you to declare your independence, to consider yourselves dead to sin. That is amazing. And so now we're going to consider in Romans 7, not your relationship to your new relationship to sin, but your new relationship to the law. And they're very related, uh, and that's why they're, they're connected from Romans 6 to 7. Uh, next week, we're going to explore together Romans 7, 7 through 14. We're going to examine the question, what good is the law? What good is the law now that we're in Christ? And what good is the law when you feel like a failure? But today, we're going to continue with Paul's comparison. He, he, he compared our union with Christ to being uh, a slave, to slavery. Either you're going to be slave to righteousness or to sin. So he used the comparison of slavery. He, he, he very well nuanced the differences between Roman slavery and the American experience of slavery. But that was the comparison. Today, the comparison that Paul makes in Romans 7 is a comparison about marriage. So that last week was, what is our union with Christ like in in, in relationship to being a slave to God, which brings true freedom. So now we move into Romans 7, and we're going to see a comparison to marriage. What is marriage? Uh, how is it like our, our relationship and our union to Jesus Christ? Last week was, who, whom are you going to serve? And this week, it answers the question, to whom do you belong? So the idea, this whole uh, concept of our relationship, or to use the, the, the language of Paul, our union with Christ. And if you've, let me just say this, it's a, it's, this is deep waters. And, uh, you know, we are not saved. Uh, sorry, thank God. All right. We're not saved because of our knowledge of doctrine. Uh, we're saved by a loving Savior. But there are, and, and we be, we begin with the you know uh, for who, who whoever um, whoever believes as a child, and yet the 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 depths of of his love for us and our relationship with us is deeper than the ocean. So, the idea of our union with Christ and Paul's teaching is part of the deep ocean. Paul uses this phrase almost in passing, and you may miss it in Christ. Those of you who are in Christ, he doesn't really call people Christians. He just says, are you in Christ? Those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. That's how he sees the world, very very polar opposites. And he uses the phrase in Christ over 140 times. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a shorthand for uh, the deep mystery of who it is to be united with an infinite person and the Trinity. So okay, it's deep stuff. So um, slavery was a picture for us to understand our new relationship to Christ. And now marriage is going to give us an opportunity to un- unpack another aspect of our union with Christ. 
And, I, and by the way, I would recommend uh, a book about Union with Christ if you're into that type of thing. I hope you are. Uh, it's called Union with Christ, How to Win... Uh, let's see if I get the title exactly right. Uh, Union with Christ, The Way to Know and Enjoy God by Rankin Wilburn, published in 2016. It's not this thick. It's more like this thick. Doesn't that make you happy? Aren't you uh, tired of having 250-page, 500-page books recommended to you? How about one that's only 150? And it has big font. Uh, but it's good. It's, it's really it's where the rubber meets the road. So I just want to encourage you because uh, we're going to be Christians forever and beyond this life. So why don't we study up and understand the depth of his love for us? So... Um, so marriage, examining the nature of marriage is a great, great way to understand our personal union with Christ because marriage is the union of two people. Now, our union with Christ is more than that, but it does help us understand. So marriage helps us explain and answer four really big questions. Number one, to whom do you belong? Number two, what is your identity? Identity. If you're married, your spouse and that relationship between you two Shapes who you are, defines who you are. It shapes your identity. Number three, marriage answers this question. What is my way of life? Being married affects your way of life tremendously. What is my way of life? Number four, and what is the purpose of my life? Does there a purpose to marriage? Many people are just married. They don't really examine what's going on, but there is a purpose to their life. And some have a very clear purpose of what they're trying to get out of marriage or what their marriage to is, is to accomplish. But see how important uh, this, this, this comparison is because it shows us how, it relates, how we relate to Jesus Christ. Our union with Christ is the most amazing transformation of a person's life, identity, and future that we could ever conceive. It is the good news. It's more than just, okay, when I grew up in Tennessee, people would ask you the question, are you saved, brother? Or you would share your testimony and would start like this. I got saved at age, or I got saved when... And on a, if, if you just stop there, it could seem like a very shallow salvation. Meaning, I got saved from the penalty of sin and hell. I've been forgiven. My, my, my slate is wiped clean. Whew. Now then, now what do I do until eternity? <laughs> i got a clean slate. Now what? Uh, so, and, that's, and that's a big question for people who have that kind of understanding of what's, what salvation is. But um, the good news is... Uh, our relationship with Christ is so deep, he becomes our life. And our union with Christ is the, the, the heart of the good news of our place in the kingdom of God now and in the future. So now let's think about this comparison. Uh, in the text, we have a woman uh, is evoking the idea of someone who's married, and then if her husband dies, she's free. So I want to tell you kind of a little bit of uh, fiction here. It's, it's kind of a story I've made up. For us to understand this comparison. And what I'm comparing is a tale of kind of two marriages. Um, uh, so one marriage is trying to unpack the idea of what is it to be married to the law. And the other is going to unpack the idea of what it is to be married to Christ. Now, uh, if, if uh, 
if you think, if you being a dude, if you're all you dudes here, all you male people here, having a problem understanding yourself married to Christ, I understand, but uh, uh, we, we can we can talk about that later. We can think about adoption if that if you can't get in touch with your feminine side, uh, and uh, and that doesn't make much sense to you. We're still going to talk about marriage. All right, so this comparison of two marriages. Um, so let, let's think about a, a young woman. I'm going to call her Maria. And Maria's from around here. She's a senior in college. She just graduates. So she and her friends go on a European vacation. And they definitely make it to uh, the Mediterranean Sea. They, they, in Athens, they're having a good time. And then something very terrible happens to Maria. She's abducted. Any of you people uh, watch movies? I know that's a very unspiritual question to ask at church. Uh, you may have seen the movie Taken. It's scary, especially if you're a father of daughters like I am. I've got three daughters. And so Maria, is she's abducted. All she knows is she was having a good time with her friends, and then there's a black bag over her head. And she's in the same clothes in that, in that bag of her head for three days. And then the next time she sees light, the bag is ripped off her head, and she hears the wailing prayers coming from a minaret. She's no longer in Athens. She slowly discovers she's in Syria or Iraq, some border place between Syria and Iraq in ISIS-controlled Syria. And the blinding light, the dust in her teeth and her mouth, she's in utter, utter terror, and it only gets worse. Because... There she is sold into a marriage. Now, she doesn't believe it. It's real. She doesn't believe it's legal, but it's the law of the land where she is because of the radical Sharia practiced by ISIS a few years back in Syria and Iraq. And there's a burly, bearded man who has bandoliers full of magazines for his AK-47. He's a ISIS fighter, Abdullah. And in broken English, he says, we are married. You belong to me. And he grabs her and takes her to his place. Soon, Maria doesn't know who she is because she's wearing hijab. She's wearing a full black outfit all the time. She doesn't understand Arabic, but she's having to learn as she goes because the penalty for not understanding and obeying and pleasing Abdullah is a slap. I'm just give you a trigger warning here. I, if you have had a, a, a painful family of origin or you've been involved in a hurtful marriage, I'm not trying to trigger you, but we want to understand what we have in Christ. So we have to look at what it is to be married to the law. And that all this fiction I'm doing is just to kind of unpack that. So Maria has been give, uh, Abdullah gives her a new name. You belong to me, and I define you. I give you a new name. Where did I? I should have used larger font for my notes. <laughs> Takes away from the, the thrill here. Um, Makina. You're Makina now. And I tell you who you are. You have one purpose in life, and that's to please me, says Abdullah. So 500 days of living in this, this world, this dusty, hot world, where there is not reliable water coming from the faucet. She has to learn how to balance a plastic jug and go to the, 
the the faucet for the community and bear water back to the house and prepare it for Abdullah whenever he comes in. He can't, she can't rely on him, but she must, she must please him. He tells her things like, don't look sad. You must be happy when you see me. Don't cry. You belong to me. Back home, Maria's father and family and extended family are, are worried. They're worried sick. They're trying to figure out what to do. They're calling every, every number in Washington they can find out. But then, you know, Bill, Maria's father, remembers that uh, there's a guy uh, of uh, actually one of his friend's sons is a former Navy SEAL. Spent some time with JSOC. He's been on the tip of the spear of special forces in American the American military. And so he talks to his, this guy. His name is Christopher Smith. And uh, Christopher Smith has a certain set of skills that don't readily have an application in suburbia in America. And so over the course of some planning months, Christopher assembles a team of friends. And they prepare an elaborate plan to go visit Abdullah at 4 a.m. in the morning. And Christopher and his friends help Abdullah take the room temperature challenge. Now, your temperature is not around 98.6. Room temperatures can be somewhat less. That means they help him reduce his carbon footprint permanently. So Abdullah is going to be at, at somewhere between 4 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. He's going to be deceased. What does that do for Maria? All Maria knows in a whirlwind, in 72 hours, she's back in suburbia with her, her mom and her dad. She's been rescued. She's been saved. And those 500 days of living as an ISIS bride have had a tremendous effect on her. She's going to have to have a lot of unlearning. Where do you get water? From the faucet. From the refrigerator. How do you clean yourself? You have a shower now. 500 days. That's a year and a half. It may not seem long, but the intensity of being an ISIS bride is traumatic beyond words. And over the course of the next 500 days, Christopher and Maria develop a relationship. Eventually, Christopher proposes, will you be my bride? No more Abdullah. She says, yes, I do. Now it's changing. She's in a house with Christopher. He has a good job in suburbia. Now she can say things like this to her husband. Do you like the dress I picked out? And he says, yes, of course I do. She's at the doctor's office and they call Mrs. Smith. And she goes, oh, yes, that's me. I'm Mrs. Smith. And in quiet times with her husband, who's a tender, compassionate Christian man, she can ask, honey, do I belong to you? Do I belong to you? And in a kind way, Christopher says, yes, you do belong to me. And I belong to you because we are one flesh. We have a union. Now, I hope you're seeing what we have in Jesus Christ, the freedom we have. How does this happen? What does it take for you to change husbands, to have a tale of a second marriage, to have a new relationship? Again, if, 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 you, if you guys, if you're not tracking with this uh, warm and fuzzy 
uh, I mean, I threw a lot of special forces in the, in the, in the scenario. But if you're not tracking with, with that, think of uh, the, the, the boy soldiers in Africa, parts of war-torn Africa, where uh, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old boys are conscripted into an army, and they're pumped full of drugs, and then they're pushed out on the front lines, and they fight, and they kill, and they are conditioned to become savages. And if you, you know, you might want to read a story or a biography or a docu- watch a documentary on the boy soldiers, how they make transitions when they're adopted and transplanted to something as rough as the Philly suburbs. What, how does this happen? Great grace with our weak faith equals our union with Christ. Great grace. We're not saved by our weak faith, but, by, but his great grace. Now, let's look at verses 4, 5, and 6 again in, in particular. Likewise, brothers and sisters, you also have died. If your doctor said, I have some good news and bad news for you, let me start with the bad news. You died. That would be something to take note of. I want to encourage you, you may not be a, a, a person who writes in their Bible, but maybe this would be an exception where you underline this. You have died. That's big news. This has ramifications. This has implications for your life. You also have died to the law. What does the law do? It condemns us. We're under the law, not Sharia law. We'll talk about next week how good the law is, even though it does nothing for us when we feel like a failure. It's a good law. It came from God. But we're not under the law anymore that's been manipulated by our flesh and sin and Satan. You died to the law through the body of Christ. Why? So that you may belong to another. So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. Why? In order that you might bear fruit to God. Do you see how this passage right there, verses, verse 4, actually answers uh, the four questions about what marriage defines? Who do you belong? What is your identity? Um, uh, what is your way of life? And what's the purpose of life? Verse 6, you have now been released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that you may serve in the new way of the Spirit. The four things of marriage that help us unpack our union with Christ here are these four truths. Number one, if you are in Christ, this is true for you. I belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to another. Number two, I have a new identity. Number three, I have a supernatural way of life by the Holy Spirit. And number four, I have this life in the Holy Spirit so that I can bear faith, repentance, and love. Repeat after me. I belong to Jesus Christ. I have a new identity. I live a supernatural way of life. So that I can bear faith, repentance, and love. When we really start believing this consistently, day by day, moment by moment, it will change the way we live. We will live a supernatural way of life, even though we are stuck, as it, as it were, between the times, stuck in our body, which Paul says our body of sin. We know it because we feel the pull of it all the time. 
We don't need the devil tempting us. We don't need the world pressing in on us. We have enough problems with our own sinful nature or what the Bible says, our flesh. We know that pull. But if we believe this and appropriate it by faith and consider ourselves dead to sin and now dead to the law, we can have a supernatural way of life. Do you believe you belong to Christ? Does it really permeate the way you think? Or do you act like you belong to yourself? What characterizes your identity? If I showed up in a sombrero with a serape and rode in on a donkey and had a big mustache and had old school bandoliers across my chest, who would you think I was? Pancho Villa! <laughs> um, you would also think I was a little loco, right? A lot of loco, muy loco. See, I just exhausted my knowledge of Spanish. I would be a ridiculous caricature because that's not who I really am. Even if I tried to live that way and cultivated my mustache and waxed it and uh, didn't get in trouble with the law even because my bandoliers were empty, not full of ammunition, uh, rode around on my donkey, you'd still think, that is just not right. But that is exactly what we are when we live for ourselves. we who are in Christ. We are living... When we live for our flesh, we're living a ridiculous caricature of our life in union with Christ. When we just say, it's my time, my entertainment, my hobbies, my friends, my money, my career, my spouse, the way I want my family to run, my desires, my sexuality, etc., etc. And also, when we are living in this ridiculous caricature as if we don't belong to Christ, and he doesn't dominate lovingly our whole existence, we have no way to deal with negative emotions. What happens when Maria feels sad? She realizes that Christopher is going to come home, and she's not under Abdullah. What happens when you feel sad, or you feel fear, or you feel shame? What happens when you believe false beliefs, when you're operating only in your flesh? You're going to act just like the rest of the world. But when you believe you belong to Christ, you can take those, those I'm scared, I don't know what's going, how I'm going to make it. I don't know how we're going to afford it. I don't know. You have someone you belong to. That defines your identity. So you're, we're not this ridiculous caricature. We are becoming more like Christ. Is your life supernatural? This is very, very convicting because I can see a very clear difference between old Dan and new Dan. I'm not talking about Dan Morrison. I'm talking about Dan Wilson. I've only seen the good side of Dan Morrison. I paid for my lunch. It was great. Um, is your life supernatural? And what is the purpose of your life? When I'm in old Dan mode, it's my comfort, my glory. When I'm living a life as new Dan, someone who belongs to Christ... I want to glorify him. I want to know him. That passage in Hosea, the payoff was when the Lord betrothes Israel to himself, and that's when he marries us to himself, then the people know the Lord. That is an intimate knowing. That's more than just, I have a clean record. I got saved. This is, the Lord is with me. I am in Christ. He is in me, and we're headed for glory. What is hindering you from believing that you belong to Christ? How can you change things? Here's a good question. How can we unlearn all that slavery, 
all that bad marriage together. We need honest community. We need faith, repentance, and love. And what is this new way of the Spirit? In just a few moments, how is it a new way? Wasn't Paul writing 2,000 years ago? How can something that old be new? The new way of the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit shows up in Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. The Spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth when it was chaotic and unformed. But the Spirit lives beyond time where it's always new. When we live in the way of the Spirit, it never gets old. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And when we live with the Spirit guiding and controlling us, we live an ever new, eternally new life. Not just when we die and when we go to heaven, but now we can begin to change. Am I just a sinner saved by grace? In a way, yes. But really, no, because you're not just forgiven. You belong to Jesus Christ. You have a new identity. You have a supernatural way of life that can bear the fruit, the good fruit of faith, repentance, and love. How do I live by the Spirit? There's not one passage that says, this is how you live a life in the Spirit. This is how you live a life uh, filled with the Spirit. There's not. I've looked. But the best I understand here it is. You ask the Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, or who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You want to live in the new way of the Spirit? You ask the God, let me live in the Spirit. I know we bring a lot of requests to the Lord. And He's very, very merciful and patient with us. Because we ask for things like stuff, circumstances. And sometimes he doesn't change them. I never got that new Lamborghini I asked for when I was 14. Did you? No. Why? Because he really wants to give us something better than that. He wants to give us his Holy Spirit. So ask for the Spirit. Obey what you know to do. Number one, ask for the Spirit. Number two, obey what you know he wants you to do. Because usually the Spirit leads you to do something against your comfort zone. Right, he's going to he's going to ask you to act like Jesus, not like someone who serves himself or herself. Number three, get confirmation from the Word of God of what the Spirit-filled life is all about. Ask God, obey, get confirmation from the Word of God. Get number four, get community validation. Does the people do the people you live with, the people you go to church with, the people that know you, say we see the fruit of the Spirit in you, or? the works of the flesh. And then rinse and repeat. If you've ever been filled with the Spirit, you know something. You leak. And that's why the Scripture says, be being filled with the Spirit. Here's the invitation to all of us. If you're not in Christ, this will work for you. This comes from an old bit of theology called the Heidelberg Confession. It's the first, uh, it's a catechism. It It has questions and answers. And see if it doesn't play on the themes of who do you belong to and what's your identity and what's your new way of life. Hotterberg question and answer one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort in life and death is that I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair on my head can fall without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, 
All things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, and by his spirit, he assures me of eternal life that makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Lord, let this catechism uh, statement be our prayer, that we can live in you. You will live in and through us, and that we will know you and please you. In Jesus' name. Amen.